Welcome to Refocus Together. I'm your host, Lindsay Gensel, and this is a special ADHD Awareness Month series of my podcast, Refocused with Lindsay Gensel. If you're a regular listener, you know that the Refocus podcast is where we change the narrative around ADHD and share the tips and tools we need to refocus and live our best lives. If you're new here and found us because of ADHD Awareness Month, welcome. We are so glad to have you. Now, there are parts of this ADHD journey that some of us have figured out, and there are parts that we all still need help cracking. So for ADHD Awareness Month, I'm collaborating, as always, with my partner, ADHD Online, to interview 31 people. That's one interview for every day of the month about their own ADHD experience. We'll hear from people who were diagnosed as kids and those diagnosed well into adulthood. We'll talk about hyperfocus and distraction, stigma and shame, grief and acceptance, and so much more. And we'll see that ADHD can affect anyone, all genders, orientations, backgrounds, nationalities, and cultures. And while there are differences in how we live this truth, there are also so many similarities that bring us together in community. This special project is very near and dear to my heart, and although talking to 31 different people has been a lot of talking, I am so grateful for each person who shared their story, and I am forever changed by these conversations. And of course, I cannot wait for you to meet my guests and get to know them. Be sure to subscribe to Refocus with Lindsay Gensel so that you don't miss a single story this month. And with that, let's get on to today's episode. Christina Bird was 34 when she found out she had ADHD. She didn't know that it was possible for her life to be any different, but now it is, in a good way. A self-proclaimed weird kid who constantly talked, interrupted people, and lived in her head, Christina's diagnosis was surprising to pretty much no one, except maybe Christina. She navigated her way through college, changing her major three times before going down the path towards undeclared. Things like getting out of bed in the mornings were a major ordeal, and finding the motivation to start things was microscopic. And then there were so many other things Christina was dealing with, things she now knows were tied to her undiagnosed ADHD, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, and a slew of emotions that constructed a complex maze around her ADHD. And then there was the deja vu she felt when she hyper-focused on her pandemic hobby. Combined with the conversations she was having with friends who were also starting off on their own ADHD journeys, it's what pushed Christina to get an assessment of her own. Now with the help of treatment and medication, the photography studio owner and mom is finding it easier to get up, get to work, and stay focused while setting the added boundaries she needs to thrive in her busy life. I'm so excited to introduce you all to Christina Bird, our conversation recorded inside Bird and Bird Studios in downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thank you for sharing your story with us for Refocus Together, which is kind of 
this crazy idea I had to share as many stories as possible during ADHD Awareness Month because all of our journeys with ADHD are different. And I think if the pandemic has any silver lining, it's that a lot of us learned a little bit more about ourselves. So thank you uh, so much for being here today and welcoming us in. Welcome and welcome. Thank Happy you. Happy to share, share the space and use it. Good, good. And I want to start with everybody at the beginning of the journey. So you were diagnosed with ADHD, but what led up to that? What were some of the things that made you curious or, or what was the initial push? So funny enough, like you were saying, pandemic, we discovered a lot about ourselves. A lot of soul searching was done during that time. And for a lot of us, a lot of time was spent on social media, killing time, especially with photography. There really wasn't a lot going on. So, you know, tried to pivot the business. But when I needed to clear my mind, I was just on socials. And during that time, I kept having a lot of different social programs telling me or like showing me, you know, Hey, do you feel da, da 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 da? Do you ever like blah blah blah? And it was all things that I was doing or have done or just be like, yeah, like that's me all the time. You're one of the neurodivergents. You probably have ADHD. ADHD life be like. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. That sounds like me. And then at the same time, a lot of my friends were actually going on to ADHD online. And um, getting diagnosed, getting their their confirmation of, you know, their their thoughts and their theories on it. Like, oh, my God, yes, that is me. And so, like, you, you should probably try this, too. If you really relate to a lot of those posts, like, you might be. And I'm like, you know, why not? Let's give it a whirl. Let's find out. And within, like, two hours, they're like, you have ADHD. I'm like, well, okay. I don't know about cursing on this, if cursing is allowed, because otherwise I'd say, well, fuck or well, damn. But yeah, so I I started through that and started getting medicated with it. And that was like, you know, between medication and some therapies and just recognition of what things I do that are ADHD uh, related and what things are not and just me. Like, it's really interesting to know that, hey, I can be a better person or like a better version of me or just me without anxiety because, oh, hey, anxiety is a side effect of ADHD and women a lot. No wonder the, the anxiety meds weren't doing anything. Exactly. Um, you know, so it's kind of an interesting discovery later in life. So I'm, I was 34 when I found out. And yeah, so it's, it's interesting having lived so long without even a thought that my life could be different. And it is. It's really interesting that you mentioned the pandemic and, and being online and kind of being served all of these things that were things you resonated with, but you couldn't quite figure out why. And I, I feel very similarly, like I can go back into my phone and find screenshots from like June of 2020, well before I even went in for an assessment that I had saved because I read them and saw them, you know, like this moment of like, oh, I do that. But I don't ever feel like there was a moment where I was like, maybe I have ADHD until the one day I was just like, I'm going to make an appointment. It was like that <laughs> immediate manic impulsivity that like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it now because I have this thought. And if I don't do it now, it's not going to happen yes. ever. Right. And I think that that is something that I struggled with prior to being mm -hmm. diagnosed. It's something I still struggle with. But in the moment, it was a great thing. Mm -hmm. Mine also like during the pandemic, you know, a lot of people started up new projects, you know, new hobbies they started, um, you know, they started getting plants or what have you. And I, uh, my pandemic hobby was, or new craft, whatever, was embroidery. And 
I realized during that time that I was going so far into this new hobby. I was hyper fixating with this new hobby where you go and like you buy all of the things. So I'm buying like all of these different embroidery hoops and all of these threads and all the stuff to organize it and to keep it all like nice and cute and together and everything and just spending hours just sitting there embroidering while watching like YouTube or Netflix or whatever. And then I'm starting to get served other things on socials like, you know, hey, I go from, you know, do you go to hobby to hobby where you like seriously focus for a long time? And then you change your mind and you go completely into a whole other thing. And then that hobby is just left in the dust and you have all these great things for it and you never touch it again. Like, oh my God, that's me. And then the lovely part of when you do realize what you're doing and you're like, I have to clean this up. I have to get rid of some of the stuff. Then it's the shame and the anguish over that you've spent time and energy and money on it. Well, mm-hmm. I can't get rid of it now. No, because it's ha- all the investment. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's this vicious spiral. Yeah. I'm wondering, you know, no thoughts of ADHD, but what were you like growing up? Are there things now that you can look back and go, oh, like maybe that was the ADHD coming to the surface? Oh, Definitely. You mentioned anxiety. It's a big Definitely, one. Yeah, the anxiety for sure. And that like I had a little bit when I was younger, but it was funny because it's more of a motivator. Like the anxiety is actually what motivates me to do the things. Otherwise, I would just be stuck and never do the things. But when I was a kid, I was like super chatty. Like my dad always said, he's like, I could never shut you up. All I had to do was like look at you a certain way and you would just tell me everything. Never had to ask you a question because you would just offer everything. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, that changed when I got older. And then I like became like, you know, relationships are hard because I'm not around the same people all the time. Like I was in high school, elementary, middle, what have you, you know, growing up, you know, as a grown up now, it's like, I don't know people, people meeting are hard. I actually have to put work in relationships. No, I'm going to be an introvert now. Thank you. Yes. You know, it all just kind of feeds in to it. And then of course you have the anxiety with it. Like, I don't know how to people anymore. Who am I? Cause I used to people really well when I was forced into social situations. <laughs> and it's interesting how even now as an adult, I'll have days where I am incredibly social and I thrive in it. And then I have other days where I'm like, if one more person talks to me, like leave me alone, yeah, I just want my headphones in and like, I can't people today. Exactly. <laughs> and there's no rhyme or reason to it. I'm sure if I tracked it, I'd probably see some trends. But probably it, some hormonal reason to oh, it, really. Well, yeah. but the other added benefit of being a woman. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, let's take the ADHD and let's throw a ton of hormones at them in like Because women patterns. already have the short end of the stick. Exactly. Already. Yes. You know, our lives are just hard. <laughs> Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur and a business owner? No. No. I bounced around a lot. My freshman year of college, I changed my major three times. And on the last time, I just put it to undeclared. So I'm like, I'm not going to decide anything until I have a more sense of idea of what I'm interested in because my interest always jumped. Yeah. You know, so it's like I could be interested in writing one day and then the next day be like, no, that's too much work. I'm going to go into social services. No, that's too much work. I'm going to go into event coordinating, which is actually what I did get my degree in. And I did that for a long time in marketing and stuff. And it wasn't until like my husband actually uh, owned the studio originally and he needed some more help in the studio and did some marketing help. And I'm like, you know what? I know how to do this and I'm, you know, available and you can pay me really cheap. So that's great for, you know, a business owner. So yeah, I'll just like quit my jobby job and come on over and work in the family business. 
And then that just kind of like erupted, continued, snowballed, whatever kind of uh, climate, climate situation that you want to relate it to. I just got really interested in it. And the way that my brain was working, I see a lot of systems and organization and I'm very, uh, we call it lawful good. So I really like the systems and the organizations and everything being in its place and done a certain way because then there is rhyme and reason to it. And if something doesn't work, we can point on it and say, we need to fix this and change this aspect of control. But anyway, so I started doing that and then my husband got headhunted during pandemic. And I'm like, great, you go make the money. I'll stay here in the studio. It gives me the lifestyle that I like where I can make my own schedule and do what I want, but you know, still get to do all these fun things because it's a small business. So right. I get to be everybody. And yeah, it just worked out well. I'm like, go, I got this. It's interesting because it does provide you with so many opportunities to wear different hats. Oh, yeah. And I think that probably is a part of the reason why you thrive in it. Because I can bounce and it's fine. Yeah. But there's also a struggle with that because there'll be days where, you know, I have to run a business. I have to sit down for a day and make a whole bunch of phone calls to clients or potential clients and try to do sales and do the things that I don't want to do. And I need to focus on the time and the energy to do it. And those days were just hard. Yeah. Then you combine, you know, anxiety and depression as side effects of the ADHD, which I'm trying to treat as, you know, its own thing, not realizing that it's a side effect. So, of course, nothing's working for that. So you add all of that in, combine with the, you know, social situation of I don't know how to do social situations. It just made it really difficult for a bit. I can think (laughs) of the... Oh gosh, so many days that I sat in doctor's offices and filled out all of the forms for depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and got put on different medications. And why is this not working? And or it I, does, but like only a little bit. But I also feel like it's one of those scenarios where you're like, maybe this is working. Maybe I don't feel any different. Maybe that's a part of it. And I felt so different the di- first day I took medication, like oh, the yeah. stimulant medication for ADHD. It was mind boggling. The anxiety and depression. Gone. I know. Like, just gone. Not even like, you know, oh, it's a low anxiety day where it's there, but it's just in the back of your head uh-huh. and you it's low enough that you can ignore it. Like, no, just gone completely. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can, this is how people feel? This is, this is living? What? I've been robbed my childhood. <laughs> I, I, there is a lot of grief that comes with it, but I feel exactly the same. It's like, oh, I can get through the day without being exhausted? Like, Every second of the day, like I, I joke, I was like, I always thought oh, I'm a night owl. I'm a night owl. Mm-hmm. It's when creative people stay up. It's when, you know, I get my best work done at nights. And then I actually started like following a routine once I was medicated and going to therapy and getting a bedtime routine. And now I'm like, I'm a morning person. Who is this? She is cheerful in the morning. Most days I have my moments, but. As do we all. But, you know, you, we get up, you take our stimulant, you have a nice cup of coffee, you enjoy the sunrise. It's nice. And then you get to, you know, have that medication work in your system. It's like, all right, I'm ready. Let's go and focus. And you can actually do things. Like, I wonder, I wonder what my tests and my grades would have been like if I could have actually sat down to study. Because I couldn't study. No. Like, I got by by, like, taking tests and, like, guesstimating my answers or completely BSing the quizzes, like, the the verbal essays or whatever. It's like, no, I, I got this. I know enough about enough of things that I could do this. If I would have actually studied at straight A's, I'm sure. If I would have been able to. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, it's, it's hard to look back at that. you like, there's so much self-acceptance that has to come with that. Oh yeah. I just gave it up. It's like, eh, you know, I may not have studied, but you know, I got to go to movies, so I'm cool. <laughs> it's fine. It was what was important to me as a teenager. <gasps> I'm still here. I made it through. I'm in a good spot. So whether I would have gotten like straight A's and gotten into a different school, well, then I wouldn't have met my husband. I wouldn't have had my kid. I wouldn't have had the studio. You know, it all worked out. I'm fine. I'm good. You know, it's so. a great outlook to have. It's it's it feels like a very healthy outlook to have. Like you acknowledge what it could have been and you're like, yeah, but this is life. This is where I'm at. And this yeah. is how we got. Like, there. I can't change the past. I can react to it. I can acknowledge it. I can mourn it if I need to. But otherwise, like. In the end, in the grand scheme of things, like the universe handed me a really good situation and now I am being treated for this. So now as an adult in my 30s, as a parent, I can actually focus and raise my child the way I want to raise them and also pay attention for, you know, symptoms of ADD and ADHD, which now I am aware of. So that's fabulous as a mom to look at, which, yeah, he more than likely has it. (laughs) Well, and you're setting yourself up to be an amazing advocate. That's bottom line, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, all people are people and. We mind our own business, but we help others if they yes. need it. Oh, gosh. I will send your food back if it's wrong, but I'll eat the wrong meal versus like ever. Oh, God, yeah. Right. Isn't it true? Yes. But we have to also stand up for ourselves in a polite way. Yes. And it's it's hard doing that personally. I don't know if that is that an ADHD thing. I actually think that there is a part of it that is connected. It's like a not self-sacrificing. Self-sacrificing and not wanting to disappoint people or um, be a bother. Not wanting to be a burden because everything's already like so much because we think about so many different things that we must okay we think about so many other things we automatically assume that other people think that way too because that's been our whole lives oh gosh yes and then you realize you're like oh you haven't been thinking about that moment for 20 years okay so i can let that one go yeah (laughs) like oh that yeah 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 let's not have to reevaluate everything that we say every night it's good times (laughs) I have to write that one down to you know stick next to the bed for that moment. Yes. You mentioned medication and therapy mm-hmm. and how those are helping. Are there any other things that you've either added into your life or tried to take away routines or workarounds or things, you know, you mentioned you love order. You love I do having love a order. process. Have you changed anything in life that has like made the way ADHD shows up in your life easier or more manageable? Uh, well, bedtimes, I try to at least, like I set an alarm on my phone. It gives me at least a heads up. So I don't always go to bed at the same time because I, that's for some reason, one of my things that I can't stick to in my systems in order, but it at least gives me a heads up like, Hey, it's nine 30. Do you have something going on tomorrow morning that you might need to be well rested for? Might want to think about winding down and going to bed or, you know, just, Hey, it's nine 30. Just so you know, yeah. You know, do with this information as you will. Well, because we have time blindness. Uh, 10 minutes and two hours to me can be the same amount of time. Oh, my God. I was doing a sewing project. Again, one of my random hobbies. Me too. And I was <laughs> frustrated because I didn't have enough time being a mom. All the stuff kept getting interrupted. And I'm like, all I need, I was talking about, I'm like, all I need is two hours uninterrupted time. And I can finish, like, making this. I think I was building a dress at that point, sewing a dress. I'm like, I could just finish it. I just need two hours of uninterrupted time. Uh, so cue the SpongeBob. 10 hours later, all I need are two hours. And at that point, that was true. I didn't realize the first time that I really needed 12 hours of uninterrupted time to finish this one project. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, time blindness is a thing. Also, the whole, uh, um, if you schedule something in the afternoon, 
your whole morning is shot. Yes. And because you can't do anything because you're just frozen because you're like, well, I can't be late for that and I have to be ready for that. So I might as well just sit here and do nothing. It's really interesting. The first time somebody explained that to me and I was sitting there going like, I don't know that that's me. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. That's why I schedule most of my meetings for, uh, you know, drop my son off at school, start work at 10 a.m. First thing that gets scheduled. If you need a meeting with me or something like that, something needs to be scheduled 10 a.m. Right there. So then that just starts my day. And then I can like get into anything else that needs to be done. But if I schedule it for like three in the afternoon, my whole day is shot. And I won't want to schedule anything before because, oh my God, it's going to happen like five hours before then. What if I'm late? Not going to be late. I know. It's like you have thought through every possible scenario in your brain and the answer is schedule it at 10 a.m. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I know. It is the easiest thing to cause me to not go into that like time freeze of not being able to do anything. Well, and it's also so great for you to set those boundaries. Like, this is how I work best. And if you want to work with me, this is what I need. Yeah. You just don't give anybody else any options. It's like, oh, I'm available at 10 a.m. Any day this week at 10 a.m. Pick a day. I need to work on that. I'm like, I'm open all the time. When would you like to meet? Oh, no, that's still hard. Yeah. That's still hard because people like, you know, oh, well, are you available to do X, Y, Z? And if I look on the calendar, I'm like, well, you know. The answer to this question is, yes, I am available. So what does available mean? But what, like, is is this eating into other time where I should be doing other things, uh, including doing things for myself? Because that's a hard thing to do. Yes, it is. It is. It ends up being the bottom of the list every single time. But if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't take care of everybody else. Right. And And we can hear that. We can hear it all the time. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. No, not at all. It doesn't. It doesn't affect me. No. Not at all. I I don't get affected by needing, like, if I can continue to give people stuff, even if my cup is empty, it's fine. Yes. Burnout's not a thing. No, not at all. <laughs> We're learning all of that really quickly. It's a, the, the pandemic was a crash course in what happens when every organizational thing we've set up in our life, like, it's just, just goes gone. out the window. Yeah. 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 It's like nothing matters anymore. Time doesn't exist. Nothing matters. We're all just stuck inside for months on end. Months on end. Like, and again, going back, I did a lot of things, but I can't tell you what I did. I did like three years of gardening in one summer. <laughs> I was actually very, very happy that it happened when it did because right. I'm like, I got this great, beautiful garden. We had just moved into our house and like, I have all these plans and I have no time to do it because I work so much during the summer. And then this pandemic was handed to me. I'm like, I'm going to be outside all summer. Yeah. So my garden looks great. That's a a very positive way to look at it. You got to find the goods. Mm -hmm. You got to find the silver linings. Pandemic was a a crapshoot for everybody. No one was exempt from it. Everyone felt it in some way, shape or form. So I just take the good from it. So good thing. I got to work on my garden and got a lot of stuff done in one year. Learn new hobbies, you know, reorganize my house, whatever. Uh, My son was two at the time. And as anyone who is a parent who has had a two-year-old or has a two-year-old knows, there's a lot of growth and development that happens in like the two to three to four age group. And I got to see that every day, not just for a couple hours in the evenings during the weekday and then on the weekends when I'm in between doing housework or whatever, what have you. Um, I got to see my kid like learn his whole like lexicon of words and vocabulary and 
you know, do more running and jumping and all of that and just see him change every day. If it wasn't for pandemic, I wouldn't have had that. Right. I don't know what I'm going to do when I have another kid because I'm not going to have another pandemic. Hopefully, please don't. Yeah, knock on wood, whoever. Right. <laughs> um, you know, like, I don't want another pandemic just so I can, like, watch future kids continue to go through this. But it was still, it was very nice That's thing a gift. to have. Yeah. So, you know, you take the good when you can. And, I mean, bringing this all back around, it's really good with the ADD, too, or ADHD. You know, take the good with the bad. So, you know, the bad, I had anxiety and depression for a long time. The good, I can work really well under stress. Because I've had a lot of years of practice. Right. You know, <laughs> the bouncing around from thing to thing, not always great, but really good when you're a business owner and you have a lot of hats that you have to wear. And I imagine you've been on a, a, a wedding shoot at least once where it's gone to hell in a handbasket real fast and you have to respond. Oh, something always goes wrong. Yeah. There is no, even my own, there is no wedding that I have ever been to where everything goes completely right according to plan. And the funny thing is with the photographers, um, at least the way that we do things, um, we end up kind of becoming event coordinators in the same way or wedding planners in the same way. Um, and we just kind of help everything move along and keep the timeline and everything. So if something goes wrong, we're there to like, what can we do to help fix it? Cause we're here and we're additional hands and you know, many hands make for light work. So let's fix this thing. Plus we've been to a lot of weddings. We kind of know all the varieties of things that can be done. We got this. It's really not as big a deal as you think it is. Like it is, it's a big deal. It's right. a big day, but this is a small situation on a big day. Yes. We got this. Uh, so yeah. I'm curious on the assessment side. Mm -hmm. Was that your first experience with telemedicine? Good question. Trying to think about that. I had done some um, some video therapies with my therapist prior to that. So in like video calls and stuff like what I wasn't one of those person who walked into pandemic and didn't know how to make a video call. Very familiar with it. But in terms of like telemedicine with like meeting a doctor over the telehealth and stuff. Yes. First time filling out an assessment online for a diagnosis. Yes. For like a pre check in. No. Right. But again, it like it blended very well with the things that I had already experienced. So it was a very easy thing to go through and to try. And I've recommended it to a whole bunch of people and they've always come back saying, oh my God, this is fabulous. And it's so easy. I'm like, yeah, right. It's great. What I have found so fascinating about telemedicine and telehealth in general is like, once you think outside your bubble, for example, one of the providers for ADHD online who I've interviewed a few times works in South Dakota, mm -hmm. which is right next to Minnesota, which makes me think like I should have thought about this a little bit sooner because Minnesota is one of those places. Michigan's probably very similarly where outside of the major cities, it's pretty rural. Yeah. And she was telling me about patients who were driving hours on end to find a provider or to go to their monthly appointments. And I was like, who would do it? At some point you would just throw in the towel because what I've learned about myself is if you tell me what I need to do, I can do it. I can mm -hmm. follow the path. But the second you make it more difficult for me or you, you know, set me up for failure, it, it's going to be a failure. Mm -hmm. The universe I, is telling me no, so I must not have to do this. Exactly. Like, I, I must not do this. Yes. And so I'm so glad that you found it to be such an easy addition into what you were looking for. Oh, yeah. And I mean, just the fact like it's almost like it was designed for people who have ADHD. <laughs> you can set it up whenever you have a spare moment. It doesn't take very long to do. You can do some of it and come back to it and it's okay. It's like, 
gee, it's like they know who they're doing this for. <laughs> God, this is so great. Um, it, was, it was amazing to do it because, of course, you know, I thought about it for like weeks on end. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then I finally like set aside the time on my calendar. I'm like, focus, do it. And I sat down and I closed the door and I got through it. I'm like, OK, I'm in it. And then I was like, oh, this is like done. Great. Fabulous. Right. On to the next thing. Yes. Um, there is something else I was going to say, but I don't was oh uh but there's also the the timeline of being able to get in that was so beneficial too because going through like my standard healthcare provider is at least nine months waiting to meet with someone to get an assessment it's not even just the assessment it's literally like you meet with your provider who then tells you if you can see somebody who Mm -hmm. can give you a diagnosis yeah yeah and then you have to wait all that time plus on top of that time you have like the two to three weeks for the referral to come in if it comes in because you know healthcare systems and this was all just like i can just do this on my evening after my kid goes to bed and sit here and just get it out on my time whenever that is 2 a.m on a sunday right you know sometimes as a mom i'm sure that's the only time you get i'm hopefully sleeping at 2 a.m on a sunday (laughs) (laughs) ideally i don't like to be up that late yeah I want to talk about the negative side of things. As you have learned more about yourself and your ADHD, are there things that you look back or you look at now that you're like, that's me seeing the ADHD come out in a way that I really would like it not to? Oh, tough question because there's so much, because diagnosis late in life, there's so much that I'm still figuring out what is a uh, personality trait and what is a symptom of this neural unbalance that I have? Right. And some of it would be like interrupting, you know, because or not being able to, it's kind of a combination, not being able to focus on a conversation because I am so focused on what I am going to say in response to something, trying to hold back. Okay, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. You don't want to interrupt, you don't want to interrupt. And then I end up interrupting and word vomiting. Or I'm able to hold it in, but then I have no idea like what you were saying. And then you just sit here at the end and you're like, uh, I was uh, going to uh, like, say something, but I am lost. And then you feel even more like they think you weren't paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Or you story jump and you're trying to tell one story. And then all of a sudden you're like 10 different stories in and you're like, wait a minute, what were we talking about? And like two days later, you're like, oh my God, I never finished telling you the original story. And why I started telling you this was because it was a really interesting thing that I thought you would enjoy. Conversations and relationships are hard. Yes. <laughs> Like, yes. this is what I mean that's hard. It is do. hard. My two best friends and I, we have a running list. So I just send them, add this to the list for the next time we're together because I need to be reminded. And so we will we literally, a checklist. we'll be sitting at a table and one pulls out their phone and they're like, okay, you said this on this date and this on this date. And then you said this. And I'll be like, I don't know what that means. I don't know. And then I'm like, let me look back and I'll go back and figure it out. And it's like, oh yes. But it, that's it's kind of like- a great idea. I might steal that. You should. <laughs> But it's, it's our version of writing things down. Mm-hmm. And it if I don't say it or get it on paper, it's just never going to come out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Until like five years from now when you're like, didn't I tell you about this like amazing huge thing that happened to me? No, you didn't. Oh, I must have gotten distracted. I forgot about it. I got, you know, hooked into something else. Who knows? <laughs> have you seen anything change as a parent? Um... Probably a little more patience and understanding. Definitely recognize that, like, you know, 
and just seeing my son and like knowing that like where his attention is focused, if he's like really zoned into his, his show or whatever activity he is doing, like, you know, the hyper fixation, super focused blinders on, I know I need to like, okay, interrupt your eyes. Hey, eyes on me, you know, give me your hand for a second. I need your direct attention or just, you know, at least acknowledge me. Just say, got it. You know, do you got what I say? Did I, you know, dinner time in five minutes. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. Now I know it got into your brain. So, and some of that is just, you know, if he does have ADHD, you know, attention, being able to, you know, break away from one thing to another and actually remember the thing, the call and response is a easier way for him to remember and actually acknowledge that he heard what I said. And I'm not just talking to a brick wall. And there's uh, just patience in general. I was going to ask about yeah. that because you have talked about, you know, dealing with anxiety and depression before your diagnosis mm-hmm. and then being diagnosed and being treated for, I call it like my mothership. Like <laughs> the ADHD is the mothership that was controlling these other little ships that were coming off and destroying things. It's it's really like the plot to the movie Independence Day. It's, a, it's something I came up with one night and it oh, actually Will works. Smith. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, Will Smith. But it, it works when I explain my diagnosis to people of, of how the second I started attacking the mothership, all the other oh, ships they go just, down. Yeah. Have you noticed like a more balance in your emotions? Because I think when that I am, when I patients, am medicated, yes. yes, yes. There have been days where it's like, you know, oh, it, I forgot to take it in the morning. Then all of a sudden it's the afternoon. I'm like, okay, it's going to be too late to take it now. So, you know, I've been all right all day. It'll be fine. And then by the end of the day, I am drained. I am frustrated. My emotions are just bigger than my child's in comparison. And I am just done and yeah. have nothing. And I'm a crying, heaping, depressed, anxious, ridden mess. And nothing can help. Not at all. No, no, yeah. no. My life is just horrible and I'm stuck in this and I'm a failure and I am a, you know, blah, blah, blah. All those bad things that we say to ourselves, which aren't true. No. Um, I say those are the stories we tell ourselves, yeah. which are, they're, uh, they're very true in our heads, but. Yeah. And then I just have to remind myself like, no, this is, you, you, this is your, this is your brain being bad. You didn't take your happy meds to like actually get your brain on straight. Wait till tomorrow. Things will be better tomorrow. Go to bed. Eat something, drink something, go to bed. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's funny how just taking care of yourself plays such an important role. Like one day I was like, I just feel so great. And I wonder what it is. It's probably all these things I've been doing. And I was like, or oh, it's maybe that you've made exercise a priority for the last three years. Oh, I need to do that. But it's the idea. We, <laughs> if we can't quantify it, mm-hmm. like if there's not an actual way to quantify it, we just throw it out the window. Oh, yeah. No, it must be like, you know, it's good weather. Yeah. You know, I got a lot of vitamin D today. I was outside. It's great. Fabulous day. It has nothing to do with me actually like taking an afternoon and enjoying my day and going to a park and breathing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you talked about your dad and how he said you just talked a lot as a kid. Oh, I yeah. talked a lot as a kid. I still talk a lot. But I'm curious when you were diagnosed and you started telling people what was the response? A handful of them are like, yeah. We knew. You, you didn't know this? <laughs> Wait a minute, you weren't actually being treated. I'm like, no, I just have really good coping mechanisms, guys. Like, come on. Uh, yeah, so it's a, a big handful of people were like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, this is like you coming out of the closet and we all already know. Other people were like, oh, you know, me too. You know, I've, you know, I've been struggling with this for a while. I've been thinking about, you know, doing all these things, um, but I haven't done anything yet. I'm like, dude, like, get on the line. I was actually just with a friend last night and um, talking with them. And he's just like, I'm so glad that everybody else is like on this, like 
like they're actually getting treated for their ADD and ADHD. Cause I was over here, like the weird kid by myself for so long being treated with it. And now I have all of my friends are like getting proper treatment. It's like, we're all in a club together. Like, yeah. I wonder what happened in our childhoods. Uh, yes, <laughs> it is. Cause but it's it, our generation. It is it's our generation. Thing, but is it, is it something that happened or is it now that we have the proper treatment and diagnosis techniques? Because again, especially with women, with girls, it shows up differently than it does with boys. And of course, you know, society, we brush things off with girls a lot. So, you know, what is to say, is it something that is new that is coming up or is it something that's always been here that we're now just able to properly diagnose and treat? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just going to constantly keep changing. I don't know that we'll ever have this like concrete answer as to what we missed, you know, because the same thing can be said, you know, I've talked to so many people who are being diagnosed in their sixties and a lot of them are men. A lot of them are men who it didn't come out till they retired and then all the structures were gone. And then you think about it and you go, okay, well, you didn't present in the traditional form, which is very Mm -hmm. hyperactive. You were the inattentive type. So you were more quiet. It was more on the inside. And you went to college, which there was a routine. And you wanted their structure. And there's people pleasing. Mm -hmm. And then you likely got married. And then you had a partner who, for the most part in that generation, there was a good chance, did the things. Mm -hmm. I think about my own family. And then you got a job. And if you were high enough up, you had a secretary who was likely a woman who came in and scheduled all your stuff for you. everything. (laughs) Told you what you need to do when you need to do it. And then you retired. And that's all gone. And all of a sudden you are stuck with figuring out your own day. And that's when the wheels come off. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's so interesting to see in life where we're all figuring out what were our own coping mechanisms. Oh yeah. Keeping busy is definitely one of them for most of us, I'm sure. Cause when you don't have anything, it's just like, I'm bored. I have all these hobbies. I have all these things that I can do, but I'm just, I'm bored. I'm frozen. I'm stuck. It's the same thing. You're just, you know, indecisive about whatever you can't move forward because no one's telling you. You know, you need to do X, Y, Z today, but it's my day off. I shouldn't have to do these things, right? You don't have people helping you. How are you going to know? I'm glad that you said that because I'm curious. <laughs> do you think you know how to relax? Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, I know, no. I know the answer, no, but I want to hear it. I do not <laughs> at all. I'd still try. I This has been a goal of mine for many years is teaching myself how to relax, also teaching myself or recognizing myself, like, who am I as a person that is not, you know, I mean, my introduction was nothing about me. My introduction was about what I do for people. Right. You know, I make pictures for people. I run a business so that other people can also pay their mortgages. Now, granted, they're my friends and my family and I love them, but you know, it's a service. I am a people pleaser. I am doing a service. I am a mom that is ultimate caregiver role. I am a wife that is also a caregiver role historically. You know, it's a partnership, but still, And yeah, no, on my own, like I have a hammock that I try to go into, but you know, how do you shut up your brain with the 10,000 other things? Like, oh, I should be making sure that the house is clean. I should be going and going grocery shopping to make sure that we have food in the house so that my kid has food and like laundry and all of that. I should be processing images or, you know, making more sales calls because I need to run my business so that, you know. We can still do all these things. Should, 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 should. And the time when I really ought to be, I refuse saying should in this part, uh, caring for myself, doing something for me, whatever that is. Right. But again, how do you relax when you don't know what that is? Exactly. Our brains are always moving. I think that's a part of it. And there's, I'm sure as a business owner, there's this gray area because you don't leave your work at home. You're probably- My work comes home with me all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
no, my, my work comes home with me and I usually do it in the evening when my son is asleep and I have Netflix on and I can, you know, do my computer work because my brain has to have, has to have all the interaction so that I can actually focus on the thing. Again, the ADHD. We have a rule yeah. in our house. If we're going to watch a movie that I just get my phone taken away. <laughs> it's just like, okay, oh. here, you just have this, please put it away. I don't want to hear it. Like have to have most of the time I leave the watch upstairs. Cause you know, it, it, Oh, it, the watch is such a distraction. It is very beneficial for setting timers and all of those things. But at the same time, you'll anytime be having, you get a notification alert, you have to look. Yeah. You'll yeah. be having a conversation that's really important and it's buzzing. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm going to work really hard at not I'm paying attention to you, not my phone, <laughs> yeah. not my watch, yes. which is right on me, which is tapping. Yeah. So it's like a, hey, mm-hmm. hey, I'm interrupting your thought process, which you already have problems with. Exactly. Yeah. It's Why do we have these things? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are ways we can turn them off. But that actually would take more work, right? We could just take them off. Yeah, that's true. That's there true. is that. <laughs> I want to talk about where you see ADHD in your life in a positive way, whether it's something in your personality or the way you take care of other people, all of those things that come out for people who are neurodivergent. But like, what is it about you that you're like, yes, this is very much connected to my ADHD and I love it. It's a love hate, but the, the thinking like every case scenario you know, like, what do I need to worry about right now? Not worry about this is why I hate it because it has the worry in it as well. But what do I need to think about in order to make sure that like tomorrow, tonight, next week goes well, goes smoothly, especially as a mom. Like, okay, I need to make sure that like my kid's laundry is done tonight and then he gets a bath tomorrow. So then he'll be fresh for school because he probably won't be able to get a bath in the next couple of days because we have these kinds of activities going on in the evenings. And oh yeah, he's been asking to like hang out with these people. So I should probably reach out to the parents ahead of time so that I can do that and make sure that that happens. So he gets his social port like relationship met all this time. I'm doing laundry. I'm doing dishes. I am picking up the house. I am, you know, just bouncing around and my brain is just going, but you know what? I have a pretty smooth running house and my kid is happy and clothed and clean and fed. And that's pretty good. That's very good. (laughs) Like, you know, that's something to very much celebrate. Yeah. So, you know, if I didn't have that, like my day would be very slow and I'd probably run into a lot more problems probably because all of a sudden I'll be getting my kid dressed and I didn't know that he was out of pants because I didn't check his laundry while I was in there grabbing trash or whatever, you know, it's like, I don't know. Is that just a mom thing? Is that an ADHD thing? I don't know. Again, I don't know because right. diagnosed later. I've you're never figuring had it out kids still. before. Yeah. Who knows? But if it's working for you and you're thriving in it, then that's really all that matters. That's all that matters. Right? I'm thriving. My kid's thriving. My husband, I hopefully, is thriving. Seems like he is. If not, he's on his own, right? No, I'm just teasing. I'm totally kidding. He I know as an, I was gonna, fine. I was going to say as somebody with ADHD, that's just like, no, we would never let that happen. He has it too. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. When you think about ADHD and what you know about it now and kind of what we've learned in even just the last couple of years with the pandemic, is there anything that stands out for you about the message that society has or the thought process they have about neurodivergent people that you wish was like wiped out? I don't know. I haven't really experienced any like negative stigmas or anything like that personally. I've always been the type of person where like health mental health kind of annoyed that they're separated because mental health affects your whole body health yes. and all of that. Like, yep. Stupid male doctor who separated them many, many, many years ago. Don't remember his name. doesn't matter. So I've always been very open about 
my physical health, my mental health, you know, like, hey, it's good to talk about things like going to bring up sensitive topic, miscarriage, had one, told people that I was pregnant very early on in case I had a miscarriage. So then I would have my support crew. That's a really interesting way to look at it. But I also would like to say, I'm so sorry that you went through that. But Thank like, you. But the thing is, so many people don't talk about it. And I find out about that after I have one because I talked about it. Half the women I talked to came out of the woodwork. Oh, yeah. You know, I've had them. I've had this one. I've had this one. I had the like aunts and mm-hmm. relatives, good friends who I had no idea that they were even pregnant at any point, And they just, you know, suffered alone. No, we have a community. That's why you have a community. Like the whole village to raise a child thing, like village to raise a human. Yeah. We're still growing. Like, I don't know any adult who doesn't say, millennial adult, who doesn't say I need a more adult or adult, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm not a grown up. You're giving me control of this life. Like what? Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah. Like I you think sign- I'm responsible? Yeah. Like, yeah. I miss no. the, the, the ceremony or whatever it was. Yeah. When was, when was this? I when don't know. This yeah. I slept to it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I likely probably forgot about it. <laughs> wasn't in the calendar. I didn't have 10 notes about it and like a sticky note on the outside of the door. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm open about it and I share and I'm just like, you know, very kind of a no nonsense, like take me as I am. If you can't deal with it, then do I really want to be around you? So people that I'm around, you know, doesn't really seem to be a negative thing all that much. And most of them kind of figured. So, okay, cool. But I mean, I think just in terms of mental health in general, just being more open about it will then lead to more understanding. Um, I don't even want to say acceptance. I just want understanding. Right. If you understand it, like be understanding and have compassion. Just be a human. We're all humans trying to figure this shit out. Yeah. So I guess just that, but that's like a whole bigger life issue in general. Not really. It's not isolated to ADHD by any means, but it definitely fits in with that. Yeah. And I definitely is affected um, buy it with it. I mean, neurodivergent automatically means, well, I am divergent. I am different. Yeah. I've always claimed to be different. I've been called weird since, you know, first grade in elementary school. And I've been taking it as a compliment because as I said, my first grade self, if I wasn't weird, then we would all be the same and that would just be boring. So thank you. I like being weird. Take it as a compliment. I'm different. I'm not a sheep. You know, so I, but a lot of people don't view that. I, I totally agree. You know, we want to blend in. We want to be like everybody else. Well, I also think, too, there's an added pressure as women. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I had an interview with a young woman who was very loud and very chatty and very over the top. And my first reaction was, I am so glad someone didn't get to you. (laughs) Because I look back at me and I think all the times that I was coming into my own and then someone came and just squashed her, you know? Mm -hmm. And we didn't realize how affected we were by some of those moments. Oh yeah. There's definitely some of them that hit, but I, again, just kind of channel into that one or that first grader. You're like, no, I didn't care about shit then. Why should I care about it now? I didn't care about anyone's opinion when I was in first grade. I'm going to tap into that inner child self and be like, dude, you come on up. I'm feeling guilty. Come on up. (laughs) I don't want to be shunned right now. I don't want to feel these feels. I need you to like have that first grader confidence and be like, no, I don't care what you think. This is me. Take it. If you don't like it, I don't care. That's your problem. I'm going to have to get your phone number so that when I need your first grade inner child to come up. We'll give you a pep talk. I love it. I love it. Um, I got it. Christina, thank you so much for sharing so much about your life and 
the level of self-acceptance that you have. And I love like the no shits to give attitude. And I think it's such an important message for people who have ADHD, who are just learning about it because we're so used to worrying about other people. So I just thank you. Yeah. You got to take care of yourself yeah. and you got to not care what other people think or say about you because at the end of the day, you live with you. Yeah. And if you're not okay with you, you're not going to live a good life and you're not going to live a good life while you're here. Like we're put on this earth. Let's live it. Let's have good. Thank you so, for sharing thank that Thank you here. for coming. <laughs> thank you for sharing that message here, but thank you even more so for putting that out into the world because we need more of that. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me in my studio. A huge thanks to Christina Bird for sharing her story with us on Refocus Together. To find out more about the work Christina is doing and the stuff going on at Bird and Bird Studios, you can check out all of the links shared in the show notes. There are so many people to thank for making Refocus Together happen. The entire team at ADHD Online, Zach Booker, Dr. Randall Dutler, Tim Gutwald, Keith Brophy, my teammates Keith Boswell, Suzanne Spruitt, Claudia Gotti, Melanie Mile, Paul Owen, Kirsten Pip, Sissy Yee, Trisha Merchandunny, Lauren Radley, Corey Kearney and Mason Nelly and the team at Dexia, Hector and Kenneth and the team at Snack Media, Cameron Sterling and Candace Lefke, Camilla Eden, Lauren Terry, Sarah Gelbard, Phil Rodeman, Jake Beaver, and Sarah Platinitis. Our theme music was created by Louis Inglis, a songwriter and composer based in Perth, Australia, who was diagnosed with ADHD in 2020 at the age of 39. To find out more about Refocus Together or to share your story with me, head over to ADHDonline.com and check out the ADHD Awareness Month page, which highlights this project as well as each day's episode after they've been released. You can also find out more by following along on social at Lindsay Gensel and at Refocus Pod.